I thought what I would do today is do a little bit of what I did at the conference, is just rehearse and refresh our memories on why it is uh, we're doing what we're doing. At the conference, we had sitting right there in front of us, it was a great visual aid. We had uh, Jeremiah Lamphere, the statue of Jeremiah Lamphere. And uh, as amazing as it may be, there may be still some on the call from time to time that don't really know a whole lot about Jeremiah Lamphere or why we're doing this, at least in the format that we're doing this. And so just to refresh our memories about that, and what I delivered that morning at the conference was simply titled, Learning from Lanfear. Learning from Lanfear, or Lessons from Lanfear. And I had two, two points, two major things that I was wanting to talk about is we can learn from his exhortation. We can learn from his exhortation. What that means is that if you read his journal, and we have this in our case for United Prayer Book, if you read his journal, the first verse that he has on there, at least that's recorded for us, is a verse from 2 Thessalonians 3.13. And uh, I wanted to just spend a little bit of time talking about that verse so we can learn from his exhortation. And then we can also learn from his example. And again, this is just a rehearsal of of what happened back then, September 23rd, 1857, uh, and just following or learning from his example. The big takeaway, of course, uh, in in learning from Lamphere is persistence. That's the big idea, is persistence. And it's an unwillingness to let go. It's an unwillingness to give up so easily. And so we can learn that idea of persistence both from his exhortation as well as from his example. Okay, very simple. And I hope it is a, a reminder to us all. We do need to be reminded of, of this from time to time. We've been at it almost a thousand days now, and it is true that the longer you're at something, the, the more you can forget why it is that we're doing what we're doing. I mean, this is the story, the, the um, unfortunate, sad story of most organizations. They start well. You look at Harvard or Yale or Princeton. These institutions, these universities were set up primarily as Bible schools to teach the rising generation back when America was first getting started with the colonies to teach the rising generation the gospel and how to teach the gospel and how to perpetuate uh, this faith that they've been given. But now they are far from anything even remotely resembling that or you take any of the major denominations, the major denominations, they all started well. They all started well. But then generation after generation after generation, and they start to drift until now many of them, they're unrecognizable. They're just these uh, completely apostate things. And so 
you know, even with a prayer call like this, a prayer call like this, you start well in the sense that you, you have very clear focus and purpose. And after a while, it can slide or shift into something that really it never was intended for. I mean, we started out with a very clear purpose, a very clear purpose to pray for revival. That's really what it is. It's, it's simple. We're praying for the, the revival of religion, in the words of Jonathan Edwards, and for the advancement of Christ's kingdom on earth. Now, that includes absolutely praying for our unsaved loved ones, which is why we took some time a few days back to compile a list. And I, I hope you... I hope you remember this. I hope you have that list always handy. I have it in my, my main notebook here. And there's something about handwriting a list and circling things and putting a star and different things like that because it just makes it a lot more, I think, permanent in your in your brain. Um, there, there's a tactile sense when you're writing things out and then you can remember it a little bit better versus if it's just, for example, on your phone. Uh, if it's on your phone, that's fine. But I'm just, I'm just saying that I, I don't really want to distribute this kind of a list electronically. Just you know, click a button and it's just everybody has it. I'd like for us to be writing it down. And if we need to go through that again, that exercise again, we can do that. But the point simply is that we... We want to be praying for unsaved loved ones because it's part of the purpose. It's part of the purpose of the advancement of Christ's kingdom on earth. When we were in New York last week, as you very well know, we ran into protesters there. And it was ironic because they, they are all about love and tolerance. That's their message anyway. And really, it's anything but that. And and there's a certain sense of pity that you have to feel because th they really do not know. They they don't know. They are the Bible word is lost. They are lost. They're blind. They they don't know. And they're looking for something. I mean, people who are involved in these in these um, in these sorts of groups. They're all looking for something. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for, even for, for love, and and that's just not where it's going to be found. And there there has to be at least some degree of pity that must rise up in our hearts. But I was thinking the whole time, you know, many of our children are there. I mean, this is why we had that list, right? They they could have been there. Um, and so there has to be pity and a sense of we need to be praying for our children. So this is, this is the purpose of why we're meeting together. Let's never forget it. So let's think about the exhortation from Lamphere, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. In his journal, he writes this verse, but brethren, be not weary in well-doing. I find that to be, and that's it, be not weary in well-doing. 
I do find that to be a, a fascinating way that he starts out the journal, at least that's the way it's recorded for us, because that really is the story of, of what happened there in 1857. He was not weary in well-doing. He persisted. And we can learn from this, this verse that well-doing can often lead to weariness. I made this point at the conference that whatever whatever we are engaged in, now we are applying this to prayer, so I may as well just stick to prayer. Prayer is a well-doing. It is, it is a good work. And it can lead to weariness. And this is something that I struggle with all the time. I'm sure many of you do too. It's a weariness to the flesh, um, especially in the way that we are endeavoring to pray together because this is this is not just saying our prayers, if I can say it that way. It's not just running through a list of names and then being done with it. This is... The Bible speaks a lot about prayer uh, in, the, in the categories, in the terms of wrestling and of laboring and there is a is a real sense of of fight that goes on in prayer and jesus christ himself in the garden with strong crying and tears he prayed prayer is it can be a very easy thing in the sense that even a child can do it but it can be one of the most difficult things as well it can it really can and I think that I think that we from time to time experience that on on a call like this a very uh, laborious thing. And so we can become weary in it is the point. We can become weary in the well-doing of praying together. And by the way that's why a lot of churches probably abandon the prayer meetings because it's just really too hard. It's too discouraging. People don't come out and so you can only take that discouragement for so long. And you just figure, well, this isn't working, clearly. And so they, they go on to something else that does, quote-unquote, work. But anyway, uh, well-doing can lead often to weariness. God's command for us is, be not. It says here, be not weary in well-doing. That is the exhortation from Lamphere to us. That is the exhortation from the Apostle Paul to us. Yes, meeting together like this can be wearisome. There's a great joy in it, but it can be wearisome too. Be not, be not weary in well-doing. And the implication is that this if we obey that injunction to be not weary, the implication is that there is a good end to this. Galatians 6.9 actually finishes the thought for us. Be not weary in well-doing, for we shall reap. One of our brethren brought a, a wonderful devotion some time ago now on that Galatians 6.9. We shall reap. We shall reap if we faint not. So, be not weary. And this is not, again, I probably doesn't, 
I don't really need to mention this, but this is not just our by our sheer willpower or by just brute force by by our own bootstraps. You know, we're gonna just do this and do this and do this. No, this is not in the arm of the flesh. This is not some physical endurance thing. This is we're praying that the Lord will even help us with to pray. So when it says be not weary in well doing there's a sense where, well, we can't do this on our own. We need the help of God, even for that. But that's the exhortation from Lamphere. His first verse, be not weary in well-doing. So that's the exhortation to you. Be not weary in well-doing. It doesn't just apply to prayer, but certainly to prayer. Don't give up praying for your, your family, your children. Don't give up. What's the second uh, lesson we can learn from Lamphere? By his example. By his example. I'm not going to belabor this, but he was given the task of evangelizing the lower wards of Manhattan back in the 1850s. And he thought to himself, it'll take a thousand lifetimes for me to just even individually meet person to person to person, give them tracts knock on their doors, and he did all of that. But he realized that he needed to um, pray. And this is when it came into his mind to start a noonday prayer meeting, a noonday prayer meeting. And he chose noon because he wanted to find a time that would be the most conducive for people. He saw people just sitting around noon, taking their lunch break, and he thought, well, maybe they can come join for a prayer meeting. And he gave out flyers and leaflets, and he advertised this thing uh, to the hilt. And the day came, September 23, 1857, when he flew open the doors of the old North Dust Church there on, Fil- on Fulton and William Street. And there was nobody. He was the only one there. It wasn't for lack of trying, but just like with our prayer call, you know, we, we try and try and try, and it's it can often be discouraging. Well, do you think he was discouraged too? I'm sure he was, but he persisted is the point. He was there by himself. As the story goes, he was there by himself for 30 minutes, 30 whole minutes went by, and he was alone until one solitary additional individual came climbing up those stairs to join him in prayer. After 30 minutes of silence, there was somebody who joined him. And then after that, there there was another, and then another, until at the end of the hour, there were six people. Like our prayer meeting when we first started this thing, it was like six or eight people on the call. Well, the rest is history because after that, they continued having these noonday prayer meetings, which turned into a daily thing. And eventually, there were hundreds of these prayer meetings all throughout New York. They were all packed. Tens of thousands of people would pour into these prayer meetings day by day by day. And the third great awakening 
came into our history books. It spread throughout the world. And we're still talking about it to this day. Now that's the way I see it is the 30 minutes of silence that changed the course of history. You see, he could have given up after minute 10 thinking, well, clearly nobody is going to show up. Or certainly by minute 15, minute 20, minute 25, clearly. We tried. If he had given up and if he had said, well, we tried and just went home, then it wouldn't have happened the way it happened, would it? But there were 30 minutes of silence, 30 minutes of persistence, and it really changed the world. And the application that I made at the conference was, you may be at minute 29, wherever you are, whether it's a, the attempt to gather God's people to pray or in some other work that you're in. I applied it to ministers because it, you had a lot of pastors there. Perhaps they're at minute 29 and they're about to throw in the towel. The message is persistence. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Don't faint. If Lanfear left, then we wouldn't be talking about this today. And the temptation for us always is to give up in prayer, whether it's this particular format or not. Again, that's not really the point. The point is giving up in prayer, period. Don't give up in prayer. Remember when the disciples asked the Lord, teach us to pray, what was his main thrust of the, of the parable? It was the unjust judge and the widow. The whole point of that parable is the importunate, persistent asking of the widow to the unjust judge. And what was the Lord teaching us to pray for? Teaching us to pray for the Holy Spirit. That's what we're praying for. We're praying for the Holy Spirit. If ye being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So, what can we learn from Lamphere? From his exhortation in 2 Thessalonians 3.13, Be not weary, brethren. Be not weary in well-doing. And also from his example. He didn't give up, and neither should we give up in the place of prayer. Simple, right? So let's seek the Lord now. Amen.